0: More of
1: you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why don't we all join in prayer? Father, uh, this morning, this song, Lord, reminds us of the deep desire of our hearts that we need more of you. Lord, there's so much in the world that we might desire, but please place in our hearts that desire to want more of you, more of your spirit, more of your, your tenderness, more of your patience, more of your long-suffering, everything, Lord, to do with your spirit. And so, Father, we ask today that you will bless the service, bless the word of God that we preach over the Internet that, Lord, it will reach on into the hearts of those that are hungry and will be a blessing to them. In Jesus' wonderful name we ask it. Amen and amen. I said um, yesterday that this month marks uh, 41 years since we came to Canada. We came to Canada in January 1980, And uh, this month marks 41 years. Now, normally at this time of the year, we will be doing an anniversary service um, where we'd have a dinner and we'll have saints gathered together and we celebrate an anniversary service. And so COVID has um, not only hindered us from doing that, uh, COVID has caused me to analyze... Uh, the reality of that and the historic um, uh, use of that system where we have a pastor's anniversary. We live in an age that mankind celebrates all kinds of stuff. Uh, We have Pastor's Day, we have Secretary's Day, we have Father's Day, we have Mother's Day. And anything to generate to the merchants of this world more money. About uh, the time Christmas was over, uh, look at our little local stores. And by the time they were able to move the Christmas, um, all the uh, necessary decorations and items that related to Christmas off the shelves, uh, they already replaced that with with. Um, Uh, what is it called, Valentine's celebrations. And before you know it, Valentine's would be quickly replaced by Easter uh, stuff. And you know, we're looking at a world that uh, the merchants get richer and the people are carried away with all of these various celebrations. I wish we had a day called God's Day. And I wish we had a day called Beggar's Day. And I wish we had a day that called Charity Day. You know, these are days. But guess what? Every day is God's day. Every day is our charity day. And so we understand these things. And so as I, as I try to analyze where, what is the history of a pastor's anniversary, I would not tell you today where it came from. But I'll do some more research and figure it, figure it out. And then I'll share it with you. And you might say, well, saying, you know, it's to do with you. Well, anything that is contrary to Scripture, not that we want to reject everything contrary to Scripture, but it is important that we we check where these things originate from uh, because we have a subtle enemy that is uh, working desperately to deceive uh, the world. And he utilizes humanity and the spirit of society to destroy and deceive God's people. And uh, there's so much to be said on that subject. However, yesterday we talked about uh, the author of the the Gospel of Luke, uh, which is um, the, the King James Translators. They have the book title here, The Gospel of Saint Luke. Now, if Luke gets resurrected one of these days and they see that they call him Saint Luke. Well, Saint Francis of Assisi, Saint Joseph of whatever, and all these saints. It's uh, very Catholic in its uh, origin. And that is why when I read the King James Translation, I'm very hesitant uh, concerning certain aspects of it because every so often... In my Oxford Bible, it would say, have a little notation that says earlier manuscripts omit. Earlier manuscripts omit. And um, as a pastor, it is my responsibility to search these things out. It is not the saint's responsibility to search it out. Uh, The Bible says, because the preacher was wise. He gave good heed and sought out and set in order... Many proverbs, that is, my responsibility to search it out. Are you trying to search it out as a regular saint in the church? Might end up and destroy your soul. Because your method of searching it, the first thing you'll do is go on the internet. I'm so glad the early church did not have internet. So they can go and search things out. Because you'll be surprised to know how faster that church, the entire early church would have gone under And being uh, influenced by society, and so we we ministers, men called of God, and that is why it is important. Uh, In the book of Job, I think it says there is one among a thousand. I think it is in the book of Job. I'm coming back to Luke. I want to do a little bit more here in Luke. In Job, thirty-three in Luke, uh, Job, Job, the thirty-third chapter. A beautiful chapter, it's uh, where Elihu is speaking, one of the comforters that visited Job. Job had four comforters, three were predominant in talking fast, speaking quickly, Uh, they quickly to judge Job. When a man is called of God, it is a dangerous thing for a saint in the congregation to make allegations against him. Uh, If he have laws, God will deal with him if he has presumptuous uh, areas in his life, God will deal with him. For ministers, for saints to talk against a minister or criticize him, uh, it is touching the Lord's anointed. It is a very dangerous thing. Rejection of a minister, if rejection of a minister is worse than the sin of sodomy, and Sodom and Gomorrah will have a better chance in the judgment than someone rejecting a minister, I wonder why some individuals their souls are destroyed uh, while sitting in the church it's because God reads the minds and he reads the hearts and you might sit there and draw conclusions that are carnal ready to condemn him and that is what three of the comforters of Job did but then there was a fourth comforter that God approved in the sense that Elihu when he started to speak he said things that God accepted As a matter of fact, I felt he was the only one that God really used uh, to speak to Job. And then the Lord, when Elihu failed to communicate with Job himself, God spoke to Job directly. Uh, That is not the father, but I believe the Lord Jesus spoke to Job directly and challenged him. Challenged his, his arrogance and his presumptuousness. But here in the 33rd chapter of the book of Job, in verse 14, Lahu is making a statement like this. He said, God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it, it not. God does speak. Uh, today we want to hear an audible voice out of the heavens, and a lot of people, a lot of times, I'm impressed or depressed. By individuals, you heard what I said I said I'm impressed or sometimes depressed By preachers that will say Well, God spoke to me last night And they get up and tell you a bunch of garbage uh, That is not supported by scripture And they lied on God They didn't lie on the devil They lied on God Said God spoke to me Or the spirit woke me up You know, I've been preaching for over 50 years And I only know if God used me after the fact. Uh, When it's over, then I said, you know what? That has to be God that touched my mind. I'm looking at this little Bible stand that I'm preaching from here. And as I'm sitting here this morning, I have a little bottle that I have here that uh, has water. It's a Dasani, the small bottle that has water. And as I'm putting it, and it barely fits without a fraction of an inch, uh, the space is precise that this thing is fitting under. Now, I did not build this with that in mind. But this is the water I use all the time. And to to know that I decided to use this and build it before the pandemic, uh, because we could have used it, I didn't know we were having uh, live streaming and this would become handy. I did not know that. Uh, after the fact, as I'm looking at this, this simple, simple, simple uh, section that fits this water bottle precisely underneath, I said, You know, God is such a wise God. He does things beyond us, He makes things happen that we don't even know how it happens. But it is God that does these simple things, and it speaks to me. Simple things in life speak to me. A flower. In the in the midst of the weeds or on a parking lot speaks to me. Uh, the beautiful sunrise speaks to me, and God talks. Uh, if I uh, rise up in the morning and my car has a flat tire, that speaks to me. Uh, if I'm caught in traffic, it speaks to me. And 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 Elihu is saying, God speak it once, and He speak it twice. Yet man perceive it not. He does that in a dream, in a vision. In the of, the of the night When deep sleep falleth upon men In slumbering upon the bed And God has led me uh, Through many, many areas of life By dreams I had one vision But many dreams And if I were to name All the dreams that I had uh, I'll make a write a book Just on dreams that God led me with Of course, every night I dream All kinds of things But um, the ones that remain with me, the very first dream I can remember, I was a young man in Guyana, and that stayed with me because while I was there preaching heaven and hell, uh, the Lord gave me a dream. And in that dream, I saw a new world, a whole new world up in the sky. I might have been 13 or 14 years old. I did not hear about the paradise. I did not hear about a new heaven and a new earth. But I saw that it was a whole world in the sky. And I'm looking and there were trees and, and uh, vegetation. And it was such a beautiful sight. And uh, while I was looking at that, someone came and something was flashed. We were, uh, it flashed before me and the next thing I knew, I was in a cave. In a cave, walking into a, in a cave. And someone told me in that cave that this is where Jesus died. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I never knew about the kingdom of God. And when I heard it the first time, the message of the kingdom of God and the necessity of accepting Christ in my life, that dream came back to me just like I dreamed it. Fresh, just like I dreamt it. And God does lead us with dreams and visions. And this is how God does. He speak once and he speak twice COVID-19 is God telling us a lot of things. And many of us are so busy that we're not listening to what God is saying. We're too busy with our own affairs. When COVID-19 is over, this church will not operate like it did before. Well, brother's saying? Are you going to have your own principles? Well, that will be just like uh, going back to the old life. Uh, we're not have our own principles. I want to seek after God more than ever. To find out how he wants a service run. I don't care how beautiful the tradition was. Uh, the traditions are always beautiful. I think an atheist likes his life the way it is. I think a Hindu likes his life and his religion the way it is. Uh, somebody might look at that and think it's stupidity. He might look at yours and thinks yours is stupidity. I might look at a stadium and see the educated man. The doctor and the lawyer... And the professor, and the Muslim, and the Hindu, and the Christian, all shouting because some guy that's not so smart hits a puck across a, across the uh, the arena, and they all scream. And when they look, I look at that and think that's stupidity. And they look at me worshiping the Lord in church and think that is stupidity. Every man to his own opinion, but we've got to make we got we have to come to the place of learning. Uh, what God might be saying in all of this. Why is this negative circumstance given to me? And so when I'm thinking of COVID, it's not accidental. Even an accident is not accidental. Everything. God knows what's happening. He allows certain things to happen and he has a plan behind it. And we need preachers that can see this. And so when you go through that whole thing, uh, God is speaking here, you can read the rest when you go home, here in verse 23. And so when man is having all of these things happening, he needs an interpretation. And a lot of times people like to interpret their own dreams, and sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's not healthy. But in verse 23... Uh, Elias says, if there be a messenger or an angel, the word angel, if you have an Oxford Bible, the center column reference would have messenger. Uh, The angels of the seven churches of Asia Minor, they were messengers or pastors or leaders that God sent to those seven churches. And it says here, if there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one that will interpret the dream... It says, one among a thousand to show unto man God's uprightness. a uh, uh, God uprightness. Uh, uh, if uh, there is a minister call of God, how much? One among every thousand. And this was, uh, this, uh, was span, spanning in the days of Job. One of the oldest books in the Bible is the book of Job, a manuscript in the Bible. And so when you look back If there it was one among a thousand, I wonder how many God has called in this day. One among how many? I would say you would not go wrong if you say one among ten thousand in our day. And so God must call an individual. But every minister has a purpose. Even the blind leader has a purpose to lead blind people uh, into the ditch. Uh, Tares uh, must be gathered together in bundles to be burned. And so we need preachers that can interpret the word of God correctly. And so when I'm thinking again of COVID-19, what is it that God is telling us? Well, this is a good time for me to do uh, the uh, prophecies of Ezekiel, you know. No. Pastor, spend some time and find out what you need to do with your life. Seek after God desperately. Desperately. Scripture tells us, but we only we can quote the Scripture, but few of us live it. And so, uh, back here, uh, we want to get back here in the, into the Gospel of Luke. And so, when I'm thinking of all of this that's happening, I really appreciate the lesson last, uh, yesterday that the Lord gave us concerning Luke. I, I'm, I'm over-enthusiastic about it. Well, here in the Gospel of Luke... Uh, In Luke, the fourth chapter, and it is important for us to understand this lesson today. We're not talking about Luke today, but we are using Luke uh, to talk about Jesus today. In the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Luke records, and I think Matthew records, Jesus going into the wilderness. And I think Mark records Jesus going into the wilderness. But I like Luke's description. Uh, Matthew uh, describes it and he does not follow up in the same line that Luke follows up. And Mark actually tells you that Jesus was there in the midst of wild beasts and animals that were roving, roaming the wilderness. Uh, but Matthew, uh, Luke has a good, I like Luke's description. So let me be prejudiced today to Luke. He says here, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost... And that is why I like him He was full of the Holy Ghost I think Matthew said He was led up by the Spirit And Mark might have said the same thing But uh, Luke said he was full of the Holy Ghost I love this uh, Because the baptism of John Had made him full of the Holy Ghost uh, The Spirit of God came down and, and that is why you and I The most important example for us Is not what you see on television. The most exa- important example for us is the Lord Jesus himself. And so what if I were the devil, what I will do is try to distort uh, who Jesus is. So you can have a distorted custom design Jesus of your own that gives you liberty to do all the stupid, stupid things that you want to do. I can come with my own custom design Jesus But let's look today at the scripture and see what it says about this Jesus. Was he a wild man? Uh, Was he following John the Baptist's pattern? No, he was an individual of his own. And so, after he was water baptized, he was led by the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost, and led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted of the devil. He went there, and Satan tempted him. Now, there are people that don't believe there is a real devil. There are some people that believe there is a devil. Now, here is my take on that. Uh, if you believe there is no real devil, but you pray and you fast and you try your best to live right, I believe there is a real devil. Let me let you know that up front. But some individuals with all good intention believe that the flesh is of the devil. Those people that believe the flesh is the devil... ...and your carnal desires, that's the devil working in you. If you can bring your flesh in submission to the Word of God... ...they fast and pray when they have that lustful desire or carnal nature. They pray and ask God to save them from it. They try to follow the principles of God's Word... ...to bring their flesh in submission to the principles of God's Word. They pray a lot. They are kind. They try to follow the principles of Scripture... And those individuals that don't believe in a real devil, they're actually, without knowing it, giving the devil a hard time. Because the devil can only work on influencing you to bring your flesh in obedience to him. See, the devil can't force me to do anything I don't want to do myself. Uh, the most blamed individual in all the world is the devil. We blame him for our incompetence. We blame him for our lack of dedication and commitment. We blame him when God is allowing us to go through a trial. And of course, uh, you know, he might be involved in God using him just like God used him in the days of Job. The first question was asked by the Lord. He says, he didn't say like I'm going to say it. He says, hey, Satan, how are you today? He says, I'm fine. I've been walking to and fro across the earth. And the Lord says, have you gone and tried my servant Job? And the devil said, I can't try him and be successful because Job, uh, Job he is only serving you because you hedge him around. Now, why would God hedge a Job around? Because Job was obedient to God. And so the Lord says, okay, go and take the hedge away. So the devil was given permission so the Lord says, go and don't destroy Job himself. And you know the story of Job, how the devil went, and overnight, Job lost everything. Now, if you were, did not read the book of Job, and you heard that this good man uh, lost his family, you'd ask yourself, what sin is there in this man's life? He lost his entire family. Uh, he lost his wealth. Uh, he lost everything overnight. Financial accomplishments were diminished overnight. You would say, well, he's under the judgment of God. Well, yes, judgment is not a bad word. Judgment is a good word. If we would judge ourselves, we will not be judged of the Lord, as Scripture says. Well, there is righteous judgment uh, to give rewards to God's children, and there's judgment that will bring damnation and judgment on God's people. I have my finger in Luke still, and I'm turning back to Scripture that's... Um, Uh, in my mind right now, and it's in the uh, 11th chapter of the book of Revelation. And it comes to that point after the seventh angel sounded. Uh, The seventh angel sounded, and today we're not doing with trumpet sounding, but the seventh angel songs for a period of time. Uh, Some other day, I will help you with that. From my understanding, we speculate a lot in the book of Revelation, The seventh angel begins to sound in chapter 10, uh, verse uh, chapter 10 and verse 7, I think. In the days of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound. Well, he begins to sound, and I believe that he sounds for three and a half years. He sounds through a period of three and a half years It's uh, called the great tribulation period, that the seven angel begins to sound, and that's when the bride is rapture. And when he sounded, in chapter 11 and verse 15, finally ended his sounding, uh, when he sounded, the second phase of the first resurrection transpires. Uh, The celestial saints are resurrected and given celestial bodies. So the seventh angel sung for three and a half years. So we're talking at the conclusion of the uh, tribulation period when the kingdom of God, because it says here in chapter 11 and verse 15, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. That's when uh, the millennial reign of Christ starts. Uh, for 1,000 years, the devil is bound, and Jesus starts to set up the kingdom. And when that is happen- happening, it says here in verse 17 We give thanks, uh, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and which wast and which art to come, because thou hast taken unto thee thy great power and hast reigned. You see, God, the kingdoms of this world, guess guess what? Be patient with your political leaders, whether it's the one you like or you don't like. Uh, They're human beings. All political leaders are human beings. Don't criticize a man. Uh, It says, uh, the scripture says, uh, don't judge a man for a word. Uh, There's, I can't remember the exact quotation. I'm getting old now. It says, don't make a man an offender for a word. Well, you sit there and listen to me. I speak thousands of words. And if you're waiting for my pronunciation, ah, he got that pronunciation wrong. Uh, Well, I'm Guyanese, basically. And I say tomatoes in Guyana. Over 40 years in Canada, I learned to say tomatoes. We don't say potatoes or potatoes, lieutenant or lieutenant, They are different pronunciation and sometimes I might end up with a pronunciation that's not even recorded. You ever try to pronounce a Jewish word or a Jewish name? I have a problem pronouncing African names. And if you really meet some good Guyanese Indians, it'll break your tongue to try to pronounce the names. Well... I have a problem with words because we speak a borrowed language. English is a borrowed language, a little bit from Latin, a little bit from Spanish, a little bit German, a little bit Russian, all kinds of things put together. And it's called a borrowed language. So don't make me, uh, don't be an offender for a word that I say wrong. When a political uh, leader gets up there and he says something uh, dumb or something not so smart and people run with it, I do not like when people stand there and criticize political leaders. I've stopped watching certain uh, cha- news channels because all they do is they're like scavengers and they feed on the dead flesh. If there's no dead flesh, they don't have news. Mm-hmm. A scavenger is different. Uh, a raven going up into the sky looks for a different setup than when a lark goes up. I was told this years ago. When a lark goes up into the sky, he's like a converted child of God. He goes up and he admires the beauty of God's creation. He sees the landscape. He sees the mountains. He sees the valleys. He looks for the waterfalls. He sees the foliage. He looks down and admire the, the, the vegetation and the flowers uh, that are blooming. Uh, He will be like me, admiring tulips. I have the most beautiful combination of tulips in the spring. Can't wait for spring uh, to come along. I love gardening. I love art. I love anything that's creative. I love this world. And so that lark goes up and he admires the landscape. I love journalism that addresses the good qualities of individuals. Uh, You know, and that is so important. But when a raven goes up, he looks for dead flesh. Uh, He waits for a mistake. You make a mistake, uh, you can do a thousand good things. And the moment you slop up in one area, the raven comes down because you got dead flesh. And the people that enjoy that are people with uh, with scavenger mentality. They have a scavenger mentality that they love dead flesh. I remember coming into Canada in 19 um, in 1980, and in the early days, might have been 1983, uh, there was an article posted in the Toronto Sun that uh, that brands all Christians under one category. Uh, there was a, the United Church was ordaining a certain category of individuals and make them preachers, which I disagreed. But the author, beautiful, a nice guy, he was the journalist that did that article. He said the church. Has failed. The church is immoral. And he goes down like that. And he, whatever he's saying. He blames the whole church. So that time I had a guest t- typewriter. Not in those days. So I spent all night. Wrote a letter to the Toronto Sun. And uh, described what the church it really is. And how he made a mistake. And uh, So when I wrote that article. The editor called me. The editor for that article called this little Guyanese man that spent two fingers on a all night, most of the night, typing a letter. He called me and he says, Reverend, nice that you sent the letter. Thank you for sending the letter. He says, if I print your letter, I agree with everything you say, but if I print that letter, I will not sell another copy of the Sun newspaper in Toronto. He says, you got to give people what they like to hear. Give them. And that tells me that mankind today have a scavenger mentality. And people would like, and that is why when you're checking out from a grocery store, the magazines that are there, what Prince Charles did in his private life, or what some other actor did in their private life, and who has got their seventh wife, and uh, all kinds of garbage, and children of God fall in line. And they pick that up sleek secretly, and spend their money for that which is not bread, just to feed their scavenger mentality and lust. Now, as I'm preaching, don't criticize me. Examine yourself and ask, do I have a scavenger's mentality? And so when we think about this world, the leaders, the politics, the commerce, the entertainment, and all this pollution... During this COVID-19 pandemic, it's a good time to examine yourself rather than trying to preach to everybody. It's a good time to see, oh God, what is wrong with us? Why are we in the church being judged just like everybody else? The ungodly man, COVID is killing and the godly man, COVID is killing. Well, the godly man might not be so protected like we think we are. I told a brother the other day, I said, we don't have the power of God. We can create something that sounds like it. Uh, We can come on into church and play some music and dance like we got happiness. But listen, the peace of God is more than just you getting excited in the congregation because the band is playing some good numbers. So we're looking forward for the kingdom of God to come. Time is running on me. I've got 22 minutes left. And so here in chapter 11, at the end of that chapter, it says the kingdom of God is established. And verse 17, we give thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and which was and which are to come. Because thou hast taken unto thee great power and has reigned. And there comes a judgment at the end of this, all of this. At the end of this, when God judges the world... There there are two basic resurrection, the first resurrection and the final resurrection. And listen to me carefully. I'm not ever promoting the concept that every believer uh, in the church is going to be resurrected and rule and reign with Christ. No, the first resurrection is called first fruits. And when you're getting a crop out of a field, there are some that come to maturity earlier. That's called First fruits. And uh, Christ and his first fruits come forth first. And then after the thousand years, there comes the general harvest. Uh, The majority of children of God will come forth in the final resurrection and be saved. The queen of the south will come forth in that resurrection and be saved. The men of Nineveh will come forth in that resurrection and be saved. And so we must understand these things... Uh, From the Bible, it is very important that we comprehend what the Scripture says. And here's what it says in verse 18. And the nations were angry. There comes a time when God is ready to judge the world. And the nations were angry, and and thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead, that is at that resurrection, the final resurrection or the two resurrections uh, can cover the same concept. It says that they should be judged and thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants and the prophets. And the, the judgment, judgment could be good if you're obeying God. Judgment might be terrible if you're disobeying God. A judgment is not, not a bad word. Uh, Christ has a good judgment. The other day they talk about God's judgment, understanding God's judgment. He has righteous judgment. When Jesus establishes the kingdom, he will with equity and meekness govern this world. I'm holding my finger in Revelation 11 chapter. I've got my finger in Luke 4. And I'm turning back to Isaiah, the 11th chapter of Isaiah. And we and forgive me rushing through with this message like I always do for the streaming because we're limited to one hour of our recording time for streaming. And here in the 11th chapter... Of, uh, of uh, Isaiah when he tells us that Jesus comes and the spirit he comes and they shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow up out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom, and that is, and the spirit of understanding, and the spirit of counsel, and the spirit of might, and the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, seven spirits uh, of God shall rest upon Jesus. And that will make him of quick understanding. When you have the spirit of God, it makes you of quick understanding. You're no longer a dud. Uh, You become sharp in the work of God. You're not some person uh, that uh, fumbling yourself in life and understanding scripture. It says, In the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ear, but with righteousness shall he judge. Judge. The word judge uh, produces the word judgment. He will judge. He will be a good individual. He will be a good judge. Uh, the only time you're afraid of a judge Is if you're guilty of the crime uh, If you're innocent of the crime And you stand before a judge That has all the facts placed before him You'll be glad because the judge Is a pure and honest judge That will free you Your judgment will either be guilty Are innocent, and if you're guilty, every transgression shall receive a just recompense of reward. But rewards are also given. And Jesus, what with righteousness, and he will judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. Remember that word meek. We'll say a few things before we close this service off today that deals with the meek. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. Uh, shall he slay the wicked and it goes on more about that but here in revelation the uh, 11 uh, revelation the 11 chapter and the nations were angry verse 18 and thy wrath is come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and thou and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets and to the saints and them that fear thy name small and great And thou should at the same time, in the same resurrection, destroy them which destroy the earth. What a wonderful thing when the judge comes. And so back here in Luke, the fourth chapter, and I don't know how far we can go with this, but Luke is emphasizing the importance of Christ uh, being anointed by the Holy Ghost and being tempted of the devil. It was necessary for Jesus to be tempted of the devil. It is necessary for you to be tempted of the devil. When the devil comes, uh, you might want to rebuke the devil. Go ahead, rebuke him. But if he's there to perform what God wants him to perform, like he did in the days of Job, uh, he was to test Job. Uh, He was to try Job. So Job lost all his wealth uh, overnight. And then the next thing that happened, he lost his family after that. And that was another sad thing for Job. And Job was confused. Job needed an interpreter One among a thousand. Elihu did that. Elihu was there to tell Job. You see a preacher or a messenger unlearned and uncalled of God would tell Job. Rebuke the devil. Well his wife did. She said why don't you just curse God and end all of this trial. Uh, The devil would have gone up to Moses and said why are you wasting time in the wilderness. Just become a regular Egyptian and live the regular life and die. But God was working in Moses life. As God was working in Paul's life, and God will be working in your life. The devil can do nothing that God has not permitted him to do in your life. And you can't blame the devil for your incompetence or your lack of dedication or your fleshly manifestations. Uh, You're to bring yourself in submission. How do we overcome the devil? By the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb is the cleansing blood. Don't be so silly that you look at the devil when he's attacking you and says the blood against you. That is not a principle used in the Bible. That is a Pentecostal gimmick. Don't say the blood against you. Get on your knees and ask God that the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed 2,000 years ago... ...might become effective in your life and save you and cleanse you from your sin. And when your sins are cleansed and you are washed in the blood of Jesus... Then you overcome him by the blood of the lamb cleansing And then the word of a godly testimony that follows that Not getting up in church and testifying But living a godly life That's how you overcome him You overcome him by living above the flesh Because the devil works on your flesh So he cannot do anything except he worked on your flesh And here he gives you a whole temptation with Jesus Temptation after temptation the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Some other day we'll do the temptations of Christ. But I don't believe Jesus left and he climbed up the high mountain. As one of the gospel writers says. And the devil says, uh, uh, if you, look all the kingdoms of this world. Uh, I don't believe after that he went up in the pinnacle of the temple. And uh, the devil got him running around. No, I believe Jesus was in the wilderness... Until his temptations were over and the devil played on his mind. So I was telling you earlier that if you don't believe in a real devil and uh, you can live godly, you're better off than a person that believes in a real devil and follows the devil on a daily basis. Don't criticize anybody that is trying to live godly. Follow that. You try to bring yourself in submission Don't point fingers at Well I don't like this guy Listen Every man will be resurrected And depends on what they're exposed to And their sincerity and dedication God will judge He's an honest judge He's not like you and I And believe it or not Some of us have a scavenger mentality When a person has a problem We kill him We kill our wounded. You fight in the military. I never was in the military, but I was told they don't leave their wounded lying on the battlefield. They grab their wounded and risk their lives, but take their wounded to safety so the life could be spared. We have ministers today that are quick to kill the wounded. Listen, the greater your sin is, is the greater the grace God uses to cleanse you. The bottom line, when it's all over, he can say, if he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that is the end of the game, is the most important thing here. Endure to the end that you might be saved. And so when this was all over, Jesus got up, he defeated the enemy, he fasted for 40 days. You know, if some of us fast for three days. We have a lot of action when we come into church. We put on a pious look and we change our voice. We tell the whole world we are fasting. When you tell the whole world you're fasting and you're praying, you're, you just wasted your time. Fasting and praying should be done in secret. A saying, I'm praying more today than I ever did. You already lost it. What are you trying to impress me? Pray in secret and God will reward you openly. And then Jesus returned by the Spirit in verse 14. And he went by the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And you know, to make a long story short, because I have only five minutes left. As Jesus went here, and he picked, uh, they gave him the scroll to read from the book of Isaiah. And he read from verse 18, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, the poor the poor, the poor physically and spiritually. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's our job, not to kill or defeat or condemn the brokenhearted, but to help them. Uh, To preach deliverance to people that are held in in traditional captivity. Uh, Your religion can become a uh, a prison house for you. Uh, your, Your principles that you hold so dear can become your prison house. Uh, That which is designed to protect you can end up to be an addiction. Uh, Your service. I've got to get into the service and do it the way I want. Uh, Was it Frank Sinatra that sang a song, I Must Have It My Way, years ago? Uh, (laughs) Well, you want to have it your way and hope that God fits in to your agenda. Can't happen that way. And it says when Jesus was finished, what I want to bring to our attention here is a few things. When he was finished... It says, he sat down, verse 21, and he, all the eyes of them in the synagogue were upon him. And he said unto them, this day, today, 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 today. Not when I'm dead, I'll go into some hole in the ground somewhere and preach to prison, spirits in prison. There were spirits in prison right there in the synagogue that did not want to leave their prison houses. Stained glass prison houses. And Jesus said, today, I'm here to free every spiritually captive prisoner. And when he was finished saying that, he says, but this scripture is fulfilled only in your ears. You sitting here, he knew that everyone in that synagogue would want to kill him later on in that scripture. And so he let them know in front that this scripture you're hearing today is a scripture being fulfilled in your ears, not your hearts. And then I love this part. It says, And all bearing witness and wondered at the gracious words. That is why I believe that God must help me and help every preacher, that when we come to a place, some of us are very firm in what we preach, but there must be grace, grace given with the message. The message might be hard It might call hypocrisy, hypocrisy, but they must be gracious words. Uh, It words that will, if you want to be saved, you run to the same person that's preaching. And a sword does not become a sword anymore. It becomes a healing bomb to quench your spiritual thirst. And that is how Jesus was. He preached with gracious words. He proclaimed the gospel unto those listening to him. Do you know that's the spirit of Jesus? Yes. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is writing here. And listen to what, how Paul writes this letter. Uh, he said in chapter 10 and verse 1, he says, And now I, Paul, beseech you, I'm the preacher, I'm beseeching you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. By the meekness and gentleness of of Christ, the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ, and the Spirit of Jesus is not boisterous, it's not arrogant, it's not proud, it's not ignorant, it's not haughty. It is a beautiful spirit. Over in, over in uh, the Gospel of Luke, there's so many things in the Gospel of Luke, but over in, um, in I want a scripture that says uh, in Matthew chapter eleven. Uh, quickly, we are wrapping it up here as best as we could. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from your human labor, rest from your human frustrations. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in spirit. I am meek and lowly in spirit, in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The spirit of Jesus is a tender and sweet spirit. And that is why uh, the scripture tells us about Jesus. And that is why in Galatians uh, chapter 5, Paul, uh, he writes like this in Galatians, the fifth chapter. And he describes the fruit of the spirit is the spirit of Christ described. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 is love and joy and peace and longsuffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. When I look at the church and the way we worship sometimes, I don't see meekness. I don't see temperance. I don't see gentleness. I see a bunch of boisterous individuals that's fighting to get a point over. Uh, we must understand that in order for us to survive, we need the Spirit of Christ. We need the Holy Ghost. And when you have these uh, fruit this, these fruit of the Spirit, and this one word used, fruit of the Spirit, then I can let you turn back with me here. Our last scripture is in Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus sat, sat, and he was preaching the gospel. I'm sitting today not because Jesus sat, but he sat and taught the people here in Matthew chapter 5. And here's what he said. You're blessed when your spirit is not haughty. You're blessed when you're not arrogant. You're blessed when you're not a, a proud, exalted individual that's getting up there and condemning everyone. He says, you're blessed when you're poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. For you to be a part of the governing kingdom of Christ, you must have his spirit And that is why the whole purpose of the church is to bring us into the place that we are measured, to become to the measure of the fullness of Christ, the measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, Paul, Jesus went on here. He says, blessed are they that mourn. Verse 5, blessed are the meek. Uh, Verse 6, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. And he goes on here in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. He says, blessed are they which are persecuted. In verse 10, blessed are you when men shall revile you and condemn you and persecute you. You're blessed. And so today, I would like to conclude in saying for us to survive what's ahead of us, We need the spirit of Jesus. We need the spirit of Christ. And when we look at what's happening in the church, examine everything that's going on in the church. Examine the preaching. Examine the spirit behind it. Examine when we say God is moving in the church. Is he really moving? Or the devil is moving? Or the flesh is moving? These are all things that must be examined carefully before we draw a conclusion. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today. For another day in your house, we thank you for the privilege you have given to me that I can preach your word. We pray, Father, that everyone listening to this message would be challenged to draw closer to you and to develop the spirit of your Son, our Lord Jesus. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.